Welcome to Kanaka the Dead. Uh, for this episode, we are beginning a series where we're going to start deep diving into some of the best horror franchises around. And we're going to start with what we consider the best. And by we, I mean me and my guest today. Um, it is the Halloween franchise. So when I decided to uh, jump into this, which I have to say, I didn't decide on my own. A gentleman mentioned that they were fond of it and that kind of prompted the idea. Unfortunately, he won't be able to join us at the moment, but we will get him here. But this man got me going on the whole franchise. So without any further delay, it's CF Benner from Black Fawn Distribution. Benner, how you doing? Hey, man. How you doing, Rob? Thanks cool. for having me on again. Yeah. Well, thank you. And yeah, I'm uh, stoked to do this. Yeah. Big time. And it was Gabe's idea, Gabe Carrer, that, uh, you know, his love of Halloween. It's like, well, let's do this. Yeah, that guy's a massive um, Halloween fan, um, and uh, you know, obviously, Gabe's a director himself directed, you know, uh, uh, for the sake of vicious and in House of Flies. Uh, but he's a massive, massive uh, Halloween fan, and he's actually. I mean, I've always loved the franchise, um, but uh, not as familiar with certain um, entries as others. But he's he's always been the one that's been like, dude, Michael Myers is like like he's awesome like he's he's one of the best for sure i think that's his favorite uh he's it's his his favorite uh horror I, horror icon um but he's just like he's, he's just you know he's he's just a monster like he just keeps coming and coming like at you and like so he's always he's he over the years he's turned my opinion around on michael myers quite a bit and uh, <laughs> well, um, we'll, we'll revisiting the movies was really really fun we will definitely get him on um the one thing that i do love about this and you kind of mentioned it is you're not familiar with certain things once you get a timeline that tends to be your timeline you know and it's very hard pressed to venture outside that circle of stories yeah yeah 100 so what we're going to do today we're going to focus on the first one because this is the one that set the pace for absolutely everything we're about to talk about so just for the other you know six or seven people that don't know here is the trailer for the original halloween Halloween night, a small American town, 15 years ago. Michael? I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I think he'll come back. Exploring uncharted territory. And totally charted. Sure, sure. The only reason she babysits is to have a Halloween. <laughs> okay, Come on out. Oh! 
Now that this film set the tone for everything from that awesome. point on. Awesome. And you can't watch that trailer and not remember every single scene that it's showing you in your head, you know? Um, it's yeah. I mean, it's great. I, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that trailer recut, like even with like today's editing. Um, because oh. I bet you, I bet you, even if you cut it using like today's sort of, you know, visuals and that sort of stuff using that footage, I bet you it would still connect. It's a, uh, like it's awesome, man. I mean, even just that trailer, I think that just goes to show kind of how awesome of a of a of a villain um, Michael Myers really is. Um, obviously, uh, you know Donald Pleasant's talking, uh, like Doctor Doc Loomis talking about him. Uh, uh, you know, he's pure evil and just like setting that stage. But even at the end there, but he's just like just walking and he's walk like he's plodding, but he's walking. Like he's not so, so slow well, that yeah. it's like a little ridiculous. It's like he's coming right at you, like like pretty quick. Right. So, uh, yeah, man, terrifying. Awesome. He's trucking across that street, you know, like he, he has a purpose, but he's not running, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I think yeah. that's, that's the cold factor in him. You know, like you said, he's plotting and you can, you can physically see it in his walk. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's, um, the whole movie is, is, uh, I mean, revisiting it was really, really cool. Um, like I said, uh, I just got the 4k, so a lot of people have picked this up. I've, I don't think any fan of the movie does not own this now. Um, but uh, it's it's absolutely it's really well well shot. Uh, the restoration job on it is absolutely fantastic, and <clears throat> it's uh, it really kind of uh, highlights exactly like what Carpenter was going for. Um, and and it's just with the just with the, the 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 shadow detail and the blacks really pop on this on on this uh, on this transfer. Uh, and uh, even 4K, it just looks stunning, and it's and it's it's creepier, and it's it just it just hits better, I, I think. So it's it's awesome. Well, let me ask: Do you still remember the first time you ever saw this film? I don't actually, and that's the that's the funny thing. I I can't remember when I saw it first. Um, I've probably seen it um, four or five times, uh, but I can't remember. Like there was a time when I was in uh, high school where uh, me and my buddies we uh, had a buddy of mine who um, his parents were divorced and he lived with his dad and his dad was kind of always working or out of town or whatever. Right. <clears throat> and so, uh, so we'd always go to his house, like his house was the house. Right. So we, and it was around the time that we were like 16, 17 and my buddy was a year older. So he was 18 or sorry, he was 19. So he could get, uh, no, he was sorry. He was 18, but he could get booze. Like he was just on that peak. So he could like go to the LCBO. And and so we would get like giant bottles of like Mike's hard lemonade. And then we'd hit the video store and we'd, we'd rent a whole bunch of like horror movies um, and, and just throw them on and watch them. And I think that's where I saw it for the first time. Cause we started going through like the classic, like, like franchises. Right. So we would go and get, we'd rent like the first, you know, a uh, couple Halloween movies or we'd rent the first like three or four Hellraiser movies or whatever. And then we just sit around and just get like, you know, teenage drunk and watch like horror flicks. And that was sort of like our Friday night sometimes. And it was super fun because we'd just sit around and be like, wow, these movies are awesome. Or we'd rip on them depending on the movie, right? Like depending what we what we rented. Um, but I think that's like, that's part of like, I've always loved movies and, and, but that's that sequence of events in my youth, I think is what really got me into horror. Um, because it was just such a fun experience to watch flicks with your buddies. Right. So oh, no doubt. See, I still remember mine because I was actually babysitting the first night I decided to watch it. So <laughs> classic, classic. Set the the tone for the rest of the night. I'll tell you that for sure. Yeah, yeah, for but sure. The tension in that film, um, and that was one of the biggest things I love about it. It's not, 
I know it kind of set the genre slasher, but it's not like any other slasher that you see anymore. Yeah. I mean, I know, uh, like I know the point of view thing was, was really revolutionary in this movie. I know it's not the first time it's been done. I think another film had done it before Halloween and, you know, there is an argument to be made that psycho is the first slasher, but I, yeah. I, I never, I don't attribute that to, I mean, I always feel like um, psycho is a more of a, uh, like a more of a psychological thriller. Uh, I just, I just feel it, 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 it bends differently. Uh, you, you can make the argument. It's a brilliant film as well. And, and no, no disrespect to psycho of course but uh, i just feel that this is the film that that kind of um like even in psycho it was sort of like this is a guy who's who's you know mentally deranged and uh he's got problems and whatever whereas this movie i think at least as far as i remember i mean i'm i'm sure i'm i'm not i'm not the authority on this stuff but 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 clearly i think it's most the most memorable incarnation of a character that was just Here's a guy with no explanation, really. He's pure evil, and all he is, he's just coming to, to kill people. Um, and obviously that influenced a whole, like all of everything that came after it was influenced by by this movie. Um, the only other flick I think that that kind of falls into that category is, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which was obviously made a few years before Halloween. <clears throat> but again, I don't know if it was, I think that obviously had a huge influence i think on this movie as well as movies that came after it as well but again i don't think the original intention of that movie was was, was made so not to go down the texas chainsaw massacre rabbit hole but yeah. i'm just saying i just feel that halloween was the thing was like this is the movie that we're going to make this is going to be sort of broken down in a very basic way um but the the essence of the movie is is it's, it's very simple story right but it's also pretty terrifying and and Again, it you know a movie that was made for like a fraction of what movies are made for today, right? Uh, even if you take into consideration inflation, so uh, I feel like, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it it'll it, it's what like forty years old, forty seventy eight, yeah, forty four oh. years old. So forty four years old. So it's almost fifty years old, which is a pretty stunning accomplishment um, for this to stand the test of time as it has. And that was, like you said, with the tension and stuff like that, like it builds it like not, not like a normal slasher movie does, because normally they go for that jump scare, you know, they go for the kills and all that. But this one, there's no blood and it's just tension, like so much of it. But yet you sit there and you enjoy it. And it's it's very, it's a real paradox for me, especially when I'm watching it, because you're so tense. Yeah. And. And there's a lot of sequ there's that sequence where he um like I, I was just mentioning the 4K um and because everything's so rich like the contrast is so it's so it's perfect right like it's a perfect basically as close as you can get to to seeing the film in print probably when it was released um and so the 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 contrast and the blacks and the shadows are so well uh, uh, put together on on the disc and on the transfer that the scenes where he's sort of hiding in the shadows emerges from the shadows which I, which are some of my favorite scenes because, and I can't remember seeing that in, in movies before, like, uh, um, like before this one, like I, I, and again, like I'm sure I'm missing, I'm missing something, but it's the most iconic when he pops out. Also, I think, um, uh, the false ending as well. I don't know if that had been done before where, you know, you think everything's okay. The, the, in this case, Jamie Lee Curtis, like Laurie Strode's okay. She's fine. The movie is ending quote unquote ending. And then, you know, he sits up, uh, which is like 
super awesome because he's just again there's nothing that can kill him right it's just this this thing that that keeps the momentum of the film going and i can't i don't know i i feel that that's one of the first times they ever did that and you know obviously yeah, yeah it's it's pretty impactful because they've copied that numerous times right true and then that that seemed to be a john carpenter staple from that point on if you like prince of darkness big trouble mm -hmm. in little china you know there was all these endings that weren't real endings but mm -hmm. normally would never ever follow them up normally yeah and uh like i always um like myself and chad from from black fawn like we always talk about the ring a lot um and and the ring was like one of the you know obviously the ring is super old now too but uh and obviously a remake from the japanese flick but they they did the the false ending so perfectly in that movie and you can't can't help but wonder if it was influenced by by carpenter especially especially this movie right because it's such a it's such a it's such a gut punch to the audience right that they you know they, they think every everyone is safe everyone is okay and then um you know surprise <laughs> so yeah it's awesome yeah they leave the theater wondering wait a minute is it over and that's yeah that's i think that's like i said that's, that's almost like a signature for for carpenter oh the thing that was the other one that i was trying to remember because it's got that false ending mm -hmm. you know um but with carpenter and this like when they first came to this film they had a whole plan set out and you know the way it is right now is nowhere near what his original plan was supposed to be right yeah, yeah. did you yeah so yeah so so originally um carpenter's idea and a lot of people know this already but for those of those of you who don't um is that they were going to make a movie every year to come out around halloween um that was like a different scary story basically and this was the first one just you know uh maniacal uh, evil monster uh, escapes mental institution comes after innocent babysitters and townsfolk in in uh in haddonfield um but the sequel was never supposed to be Halloween two per se. It was supposed to be some like a completely different story, which is kind of how we ended up Halloween three. We'll get to that. We'll get to that later on in in future episodes for sure. Um, yeah. But an interesting idea for sure. And um, you have to wonder if it would have if it would have flown differently. Um, but but yeah, I mean that was the original idea of the series, which is kind of uh, kind of innovative if you think about it. Like even at the time period. Um, it's too bad that it didn't i don't want to say it's too bad that it didn't pan out the way it did but um certainly certainly something to ponder like if it had it had they done it actually done it that way uh and they were successful like you know kind of what other stories we we, we would have gotten from carpenter right and, and you have to wonder if if the movies that he made after that would have been part of this series right like big trouble in little china and like um the other films that he's that he made oh, yeah. after this right like you got to wonder if that was those were kind of earmarked to be part of this series but hard to say and i always wonder if the thing was meant to be part of that series because in halloween they're watching thing from another planet on the tv just like right right right, right. Yeah, yeah 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 just totally like watching halloween in halloween three so right. yeah kind of why i wondered if that was not meant to be part of that as well yeah and, and you gotta wonder if uh you know if the thing would have been as successful as it was um if it was part of this series like uh like you you wonder like i mean obviously they would be all be called halloween movies right like halloween one two three four and uh um but it's funny because after you know in the in the in the history of the of the franchise um you know obviously they made halloween 2 which is a direct sequel to to this film 
then they tried something with Halloween three, and then they went obviously back to uh, the Michael Myers formula with, with varying results. And uh, <laughs> we'll obviously discuss those later on, but, yeah. um, but, but ultimately every series that came after this, this movie. So um, sort of replicated that idea, like, like uh, 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 Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, um, and even recently, we were just talking about this on another podcast. Was uh, was Saw, right? Which is, you know, um, we're going to make one of these movies every year and pump it out around Halloween, and it's going to do box office numbers for us. And again, some of those series, like they, they, the more you make them, the more entries in the series, the it's the the law of diminishing returns, right? Unless you have, if you've got a, if you've got a genius working the scripts, right? Which is usually not the case when these movies get up higher in the, uh, in the numbers, um, of, of sequels, the sequel numbers, I should say. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, I feel like that, I feel like, you know, Friday the 13th replicated this, like exactly this exact strategy, um, going forward in the eighties. Well, and that's the fun thing too, with that, you know, um, everybody has their favorites, you know, but like you said, when you have a bigger number, there's always going to be that low point. And this one, this series, it's crazy. It has so many low points, but it is still a loved franchise. Like I, I love every film, you know, different degrees, <laughs> but uh, they're still yeah. it's because it's Michael. Yeah. I, I mean, I, uh, I, I think the one, the one thing about this film is, is that it, it sets the table for everything that comes after it obviously right but the mask itself yeah the knife the knife you could say is is an homage to psycho um i don't know if that's where carpenter got it from but i mean you could you could make that you could make that connection i guess but it's the mask right that that's so iconic and also going through this series was really really fun and watching every movie um and uh but but the difference in masks over the years i i had forgotten how crazy they get yeah and such weird and in and in bad ways too and it's just it's unbelievable unbelievable to me because you you think they would be able to uh replicate this mask um i it's would say they did it the, on the reboots on the reboot series um sorry i should clarify that i would say in the um rob zombie reboot or remake i guess whatever you want to call it and then obviously the new halloween uh, series like the most recent one from Blumhouse, like those two series actually recreated the mask. I think in a, in a, in awesome ways. But all those other like four, five, six, and H two O, and even Resurrection, like they're like it's like it, I don't know. To me, it's like hilarious. It's like couldn't you just find that mask and cast it again? Like why was it so hard to? Why was it so hard to replicate that mask over the years? I, I don't get William it. Shatner mask. You can literally get them you know <laughs> yeah 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 so I, I i heard somewhere that it was um there was a lot of uh, uh like i can't remember i think it was on a panel with jamie lee curtis and and um she said there was issues with the mask because the people that created the mask owned the rights to it like like that like it was something like that i can't, I can't remember oh, exactly yeah. but it was basically like whoever was trying to recreate this mask would own the own the rights because they made it right like the graphic the, or the the makeup artist or the effects guy or whomever so then they couldn't they couldn't recreate it but i don't know why they never went back to the original like i don't understand that and um it's such a like it's it's even even when i rewatched it the first movie i mean the first movie's iconic i don't think you could i don't think any sequel tops it um 
you know, at, at all. And just because if you're the first, you're the original, it's, and it's yeah. hard to, it's hard to, you know, hard to be better than that. Um, but just the mask in the first movie looks so awesome. And um, in the second movie, it's the same mask, but the guy who plays Michael, I can't, I can't remember who's, who's uh, Michael Myers in the second movie, but uh, is a bit bigger, right? So the mask was like, didn't necessarily fit his head as well as it did um, in the first film. Yeah. Uh, he had a different shaped head. <laughs> yeah. 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 So uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I I just <laughs> anyways, mind-boggling and it was really really fun to watch that that those uh those masks kind of evolve because it's um I mean, whatever. But yeah, in the first movie, it's awesome. Like it's it's so and it's something about the eyes. That's the thing that is the eyes are dead. Uh the mask is white. Obviously, people have made comparisons to you know the Michael Myers mask kind of feeling like a great white shark, right? Like he's like the ultimate predator. He's, it looks like he's dead. Like, um, like I feel like that's just, it's such a brilliant, um, concept. And one of those things that it was a happy accident, right? Like the guy went and got like the, the William Shatner mask and was like, <laughs> well, we'll make the eye holes a bit bigger and we'll paint it white. And, uh, you know, it just, um, I think just kind of like in the seventies, eighties, they were just doing shit. You know what I mean? Like we're just making, making, movies and just trying stuff out and there was a lot of happy accidents i think in in those decades when they made flicks and i think this is definitely a, a clear-cut example of one of them big time now i know we were talking about the the lifeless eyes and one of the questions i always tend to ask any people i have on here for interviews is like where did that kernel of a story come from when you put together a film and i love the one for this one where john carpenter was touring a psychiatric hospital and this one kid kept staring at him and he said he had the most lifeless eyes and it terrified him. And really? that, that was the kernel that turned into Halloween. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Cool. I, I saw him do that in an interview once and it was so weird because that's not at all where I would have thought a story like this came from. Like the original title, The Babysitter Murders, right? Like that is not where I thought that kernel was going to come from. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say um, it's uh it, yeah, it's a perfect title. It, it, I mean, it's it, the fact that it, that didn't exist until 1978 is is pretty interesting too. Like you think somebody would have made a movie called Halloween, yeah. right? Exactly, exactly. But uh, with that title though, with the Babysitter Murders, do you think that would have captured as much as it does Halloween? Like, no, I no, I don't. And and the reason I don't think it would have is because. I think it would have gotten buried a bit more um like just with the with, with the word murder in the title i think it 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 alienates a lot of just general audiences that would have gone to see it i think you know obviously halloween sort of took on a life of its own and i think just because it was called halloween and it came in around halloween that people are like let's go see a scary movie and there was precedent for for scary movies right so i mean i mean i just think it i think it just kind of took off um based on that in the same way as um as the exodus did right it very it sounds scary but you don't really know what it is right until you actually get into the theater and you sit down and watch it and like you said you just played the trailer so it's just like you know it doesn't really tell you kind of a lot of the story there it doesn't reveal too much very much just like a collection of scenes put together and and shown so when and, and that's if you saw the trailer back in the day right i mean you'd probably just see the the movie advertised on um like a marquee or in maybe in the newspaper, newspaper. or something 
Yeah. Uh, and you know, your friends are saying, well, we should go see this movie. And I think that's just kind of how it, how it evolved from, from it being released to, to whatever. So I, I think that, I mean, I, I like that they changed the title cause I think it works a lot better. And, um, you know, where would, where would we be without that, uh, without that title today? Right. And it's, it's also cool how those characters became iconic. Like you look at, uh, Dr. Loomis, Donald Pleasance. I literally, I, even with, with the, the zombie films, you know, and, uh, Malcolm McDowell coming in, it's impossible for me to see anybody, but, uh, Donald Pleasance as Loomis. He's established actor, right? Respected actor. Um, he just gives the role uh he he just gives it the right amount of gravitas um you know i i, I might my, my favorite um uh, like my favorite sequel i think in this series is halloween 4 yeah. um but and i love him in that movie too but he just played it just the right amount of like he didn't take it too he took it serious but didn't take it too seriously and and i think that's just a perfect balance of like you know, hamming it up a little, but at the same time being like, like playing it straight. Right. And, and, and saying like, this is a, this is a legitimate character and, and Loomis has his own flaws too. Um, I didn't like the, the representation of him in, uh, in zombies, uh, movies. Like, like, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, obviously when we get to those, we'll, we'll, we'll take a deep dive into Malcolm McDowell. Cause I love Malcolm McDowell and there's parts of his performance. I really like in those films, but it's just such a hard, um, it's a hard, uh, uh, it's just a hard act to follow. It's, it's hard to replicate that when you're, when you're replaying a character. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, that's not a criticism on, on zombie either. I, I, or Malcolm McDowell. I think it's just really, really hard to do that in any remake when you're, when you're replaying or, or you're, you're, you know, you're, you're either copying or, and most people don't want to do that. Like most actors will not want to copy an original, like an original, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, performance right they want to put their own spin on it so it's not just like this carbon copy uh, but it's really hard to do to put your own spin on an iconic on an iconic character like that um and donald pleasance i mean he nails it he nails it in all in all the movies that he appears in as far as i'm concerned and um uh for in halloween i mean it's just he sets the tone for how dangerous michael is right like it, if that performance doesn't hit then i don't know if you're as scared of michael myers throughout the movie as 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 you should be like it's it's the it's a table set for everything that comes after in the film the way he terrorizes laurie the way he you know that like the the crimes that he commits before he gets to laurie um all of that stuff is set up by donald pleasance in in fairly expertly expert fashion um, where you, you know, you take him as a credible, a credible source of information within the film. And it, it, it shapes your perception of Michael Myers, even before you really kind of see him terrorizing, uh, uh, Haddonfield. You're hundred percent right. Cause this is the guy who is supposed to understand him and make him better. And he's terrified. Yeah. And, and the fact that, um, I can't, how many years does he, he says, oh, I've, I've, I've looked after, you know, I, I've studied this guy for years and, and he's given up hope. Like he, he's, he's like, there's no, there's no curing this person. Like he is broken. Um, you already know, like, like, and what's brilliant about this movie is the fact that they do introduce Michael Myers as a child, um, like in the opening sequence and he commits this horrible crime. Um, and then he's, you know, shipped away to, uh, um, to, to, uh, uh, you know, a psychiatric hospital and, and basically worked on, uh, for the next, you know, whatever, 15, 20 years. 
And, uh, you know, with this doctor who's for all intents and purposes, from what the audience understands is a respected, uh, doctor, he's, he's, you know, very competent. Um, and he's given up hope. Like there's no hope for this. This guy is just pure evil and there's no, that's what makes the character. So like, that's what makes Michael Myers so scary is that there is no human component to him. Um, and any human component that you do meet throughout, you know, the, in this, at the start of this, the, the first movie is, is gradually erased completely um, throughout the course of the film, which I think is pretty scary. Right. I mean, and how do you combat that? Uh, I also think the movies aged really well because of that. Um, it wasn't like, Oh, this person's crazy. Like this, you know, the guy from the nut house escaped, like those kind of tropes that are in horror that, you know, if you look at how we deal with mental health now, uh, might not hold up as they might not be as as sturdy. I think you can rep, you can respect the fact that you know some movies were made in a different time period, and you know obviously the looking through a a, a twenty a twenty two lens at those movies is going to reveal some flaws. You're going to see the seams, and and they're not all going to be pretty, of course. But for this film, like I feel like it stands up, and that's a pretty crazy thing to say forty five years after something comes out, and it and not like a movie that had a massive budget was just kind of like a considered like a slasher movie i guess and and you know put in you know thrown into theaters around halloween let's see if we can make some money on this um but you know watching it now it, and it still it still holds up and still the idea of like the essence of evil um and that the villain is irredeemable i think is is uh is a pretty cool thing and yeah it's it still connects right not only irredeemable but unstoppable and that yeah. is the scariest part because he sets up that evil force that will stop at nothing until it gets you like the, the slasher terminator, so to speak. Right. And no, and no, and no real reason either. I mean, we'll get to Halloween too, but, <laughs> but in the first movie, um, just random victimization, uh, yep. is scary. And, um, that, and that's something that's still scary, right? Like if you're walking down the street and, some random person just starts following you. Not, not that that's happened to me, but, or, and I'm sorry if it has happened to anyone out there, but it's, it's terrifying. It's, it's unsettling. You don't like it. Um, I love the, the shots. I, I think one of the best shots in this entire movie is when he's standing behind the, uh, uh, like the hedge and he's sort of in broad daylight and it's really hard to make something scary in broad daylight. Like it's, it's, it's really tough, but just the, it's an iconic image. Um, it's, and it's very, very weird and unsettling. And, um, something about this too, like the guy, the man in the mask is, um, like there was almost no reference point. There's not really any reference point for it. Like when the movie was made. So the characters, when they react to seeing, seeing him just think that, oh, it's just a guy, you know, it's just a, an odd guy. Mm -hmm. um, or a guy getting ready for Halloween or whatever, I, our perception of it now would be different, right? Be like, oh man, like that, that's, that's not right. That, that looks, <laughs> that's super <laughs> weird. So I think they did a lot of interesting, cool. Like, I mean, Carpenter made a lot of cool calls in this movie and, and I think they, they stand the test of time. You're right. Too. The other iconic scene, like the hedge scene I love, but I also love the laundry scene when she's looking out the window down into the backyard. Oh yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. 100%. Right? Because it's that fear of the unknown and it's like, what's that dude doing? You know? why when you don't have that answer it messes you up yeah and um and, and also like we got to talk about laurie strode too um just 
like, I don't know, Jamie Lee Curtis, we don't need to really even talk about her. Everything that's been said about her has been said about her and how influential she has been to the genre and to the franchise and just in general. I, I mean, what's awesome is that she's in real life, as far as I can tell, and anyone who's ever, all the interviews I've ever seen her with, is, she's a genuinely awesome person too, which is mm -hmm. great. Um, but her performance in this is pretty, I mean, she was young when she filmed this. I think she was 20, 21, I think. No, she was the only legit teenager on set. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and this, like, she's, she's phenomenal. She's really phenomenal. So it's, uh, it's interesting to see how that stood up over time as well. Not only that, it tells you the work ethic too, that when John Carpenter finished working with her, he automatically wrote her into the next movie that he did called The Fog. That right. Right. Her right. character was not in the original script. Yeah. She's, um, she's, she's on the top of a lot of people's lists, right. As far as like most iconic, um, actresses in, in, in film history. Um, she's not the original final girl, obviously, but she's certainly, she's certainly up there. I mean, she's in, she's on the Mount Rushmore final girls for sure. Right. So oh, big time. She's the, the creator of scream queen, I guess we would say. That's right. Yes. That's right. Yes. Fair enough. Awesome. All right. Well, stick around because I'm going to throw a couple names by Benner and see what he would think of them as playing Dr. Loomis because apparently they were in the running. And we'll also talk about another psycho connection to Halloween. So stick around.